2: Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Headstrong. The podcast where I sit down with somebody in the public eye to talk about their lives but notably their vulnerabilities that they've experienced in the hope to get other young adults and other people to speak about their own. So my guest this week is actor Tiger Drew Honey. Tiger was made famous by playing the oldest brother in the hit TV series Outnumbered. Tiger is still acting today, but to get to this point, he's had to experience everything that he has, from bullying at school because of his fame as a child actor, to the fame itself, and those critiques that have come with it. So, I hope you enjoy this podcast. Everybody, I'm really excited on this week's episode of Headstrong to welcome into the room, Tiger Drew Honey. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm not bad, thanks, mate. Not too shabby. Thank you for welcoming me into your, your, your establishment here. <laughs> yeah, this is the Drew Honey establishment. This not is nice the to be manor. Here. Um, just for everyone who doesn't know who you are, which is almost nobody, I'm n- no doubt. No, um, sure. Tiger's not your real name, is it?
0: It is my real name. It is my... You're Christian, Tiger. Well, um, or born, you know, your parents given you the, when you I, were... I can see where this is going. So I'm just going to give you the story now. Yes. Okay. Um, basically both of my parents, um, met and they were on the stripping scene, um, back in the eighties, I think it was. And they were both called Lindsay and um, they had different spellings of the name, but they were both called Lindsay. They met through a mutual friend who was like, I know someone called Lindsay. You guys should go on a date. Anyway, they got on and they decided to start a relationship. And when they came to the point in their relationship where they wanted to have a kid, they had this lovely idea that, hey, we're both called Lindsay with slightly different spellings. Let's merge our two spellings of Lindsay together and call our son Lindsay. So I have uh, an amalgamation of the spellings in my Lindsay, which is L-I-N-D-Z-I. So my name at birth was Lindsay James Drew Honey. Um, But then interestingly, as a very small infant, as infants generally are, um, I had a problem with my. <laughs> <laughs> I had um I had a problem with my vocal cords, and so <clears throat> for about the first six seven months of my life, rather than crying like a normal baby would, going wow wow wow, I would go because I was incapable of not doing so. Wow wow wow, and so gradually my parents started to nickname me Tiger. They were like, "You're a growly little tiger, aren't you? <laughs> You're a growly little tiger." And then one day, when I was about eight months old, and my voice had thankfully r- resolved itself. My parents had this moment where they called me Lindsay and I didn't look. And they called me Tiger and I looked. And they had a eureka moment. They realised that they'd called me Tiger so much that I'd learnt my own name as Tiger. So they went to the official office and they said, we need to we need to put the name Tiger in his name somewhere. So we're going to put it in as, as his middle name. Lindsay James Tiger Drew Honey. We'll spell it with a Y. And although it's his middle name, that's what we'll always call him. And that's what everyone will call him. Um, so... Yeah, Tiger is actually my middle name, and my first name is Lindsay, in honour of my parents, but um, I still consider Tiger my real name because it's just what I've been called my whole life, if you get me. Yeah, totally. Um, So I suppose what, so Tiger Drew Honey is your stage name as well now? Well, I mean, yeah, like, for instance, if I had to apply for a new passport or something, I would have to put Lindsay James Tiger Drew Honey, likewise, on insurance documents for shows and stuff. I have to put all of that stuff. It's on my driving licence. But, um, you know, if it was going to say... you know, tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be, <laughs> it would be just a Tiger Drew, honey. Sure, sure. Well,
2: I'm not going to lie. I think it's a pretty awesome name. No, I, I think mo- you.
0: most young men or
2: young adults would be pretty happy having the name Tiger. Yeah, I'm fond of it. I'm fond of it. I think it's pretty
0: cool. Do you know any other Tigers? Oh, I do, actually. This do is, you? Yes, yeah, No is, way. This is very strange. Um, this is one of those stories. The uh, first day of year one, <clears> um, opened a car door into another car in the school playground oh it was a new boy I was like oh uh, hi new boy and he was like hi I'm Tiger and I was like yeah whatever <laughs> um and it turns out this guy's name was Tiger turns out he also had the exact same birthday as me and was born about an hour in the same day of time um born about an hour after me and then uh, two years after we'd got to know each other randomly bumped into him in Disneyland Florida and our rooms were next to each other
2: that is just I weird. mean, that is some bonkers stuff yeah isn't it? that's yeah. the universe colliding
0: yeah 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 some that's real sort of coincidences going on there all right so you touched on it there year one okay so where did
2: you grow up let's talk about your childhood for a little bit
0: so i was born in epsom um first house i lived in was in stoke davenant um and then generally just my whole life lived around lived around surrey um Went to school, went to secondary school in Epsom, so lived there for a little bit while I was doing my exams. Um, and then since I was about 17, I've kind of been, uh, living on my own and then realizing I'm not very good at it and then coming home and then making another go at living on my own and then. Um, but uh, I've finally been living on my own now properly since I've been about 21, and that's been down the road in in Weybridge in Surrey. It's not, it's not a million miles away from Mum? No, it's like just a 10-minute walk away. And my flat's one bed, and it's it's relatively small, and I had to choose between a washing machine and a dishwasher. Um, and I chose dishwasher, so I have to still use Mum's washing machine. Oh, God, yeah. disaster. Oh, no, sorry, I know. I, know. And she, I know it is a chore for her, but I think the day that I say, actually, mum's do you know what? I do my own washing this week. I think she'll, a little bit of her heart will sort of wither away. But she'll also be cracking open a bottle or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's brilliant.
2: Um, So do you, both your parents were in an interesting industry, shall we say, and I hope you don't mind me saying. No. Um, How how would you, would you deem your your upbringing as normal? Or do you want to describe a little bit about um, what, what they did perhaps and
0: then how that may have influenced what you might have done and stuff? I suppose you know it's, it's such a cliche to say what is normal, but you know, to the to an outsider's perspective, you might think I had a totally abnormal upbringing because obviously my parents worked in the porn industry. Um, but to me, you know, it, it really it felt it felt it felt really normal. Like my parents were fantastic parents, and them being in the porn industry wasn't something that they ever hid from me. Um, as a younger child, you know, when I was say sort of nine or ten i would have an understanding of it because we'd have these family friends around for like christmas parties and they'd all be you know they'd all be you say some of them would be porn stars and my mum and dad would explain it. say right this is pascal and this is charmaine daddy takes pictures of pascal and charmaine having a special cuddle um and other adults find it nice to watch and that was effectively my understanding of what my parents did at about the age of eight or nine. And as I grew a bit older and got a bit more intelligent and started hitting puberty, I um, I understood exactly what they did. And I understood that it wasn't completely normal, but I also knew that it there was nothing to really worry or be ashamed about. And the fact that I never had a day when I was sat down at 13 and went, what? You mean, this is where all this comes from? You know, this life you've given me comes from this? It, it wasn't like that. It was a gradual piecing together of facts as I just got more intelligent and it was a sort of seamless realization that my parents were porn stars and it never really bothered me sure so would you say that you're close with each of your parents now because they don't
2: they're not together anymore are they
0: no i am i am so close with both my parents that's um, great um i i my i am so lucky with with my parents i've been given two of the most fantastic examples of what it means to be um a human being in planet earth you know but you know uh my parents aren't together no because you know my dad made my dad made some mistakes um and my parents split up but in the you know there was a couple of rough years that we had that I didn't really speak to my dad much but you know the 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 strength that my mum and dad have shown in 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 forgiveness and in realizing that, you know, we are a family and we've only got one life and all these kind of existential things, um, I I am so proud of them for, for being the people that they are. And, yeah, my parents are like best friends nowadays and I'm best friends with both of them. And although they're not together... I still feel like we have a, a lovely family unit, even though my dad's in Spain now. You know. Well, I was going to say I, you clearly are very close with your dad still because you were on holiday
2: recently out there and it looked like you were having an awesome time with him, spending some proper family time together and stuff. So that was good.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was a it was just a lovely, lovely family holiday, um, and and you know we haven't we haven't had a lovely family holiday in, in quite a while, um, and so it was just really, really, really nice to just go away and just be together and love each other and just do things that you know we used to do when I was a young child basically and I
2: suppose about when you were talking about your childhood as well you don't know any different so that's why you know if that that if that's the upbringing that you're being brought up in you don't know any different no one else does either so
0: yeah. c'est la vie isn't it and i was i was shown nothing but sort of love and compassion and, and good correct. parenting which is all you can really ask for as a child absolutely so
2: you went to Epsom, a uh, very decent school, yeah, um, yeah, I yeah. suppose, on the circuit, as one might put it. Um, how was that for you? And um, what you know, what age did you go there, and what was that school mentality like when you were there?
0: Um, well, it was your typical kind of uh, private boarding school. You know, we we went to chapel. We went to school six days a week. We all wore suits. You know, it was it was it was. Um, it was very of that ilk. And I was very lucky to, to go there and I didn't quite appreciate it at the time, but I don't think anybody does when you're at school. You don't appreciate it and think, God, look at this school I'm walking around. Um, but yeah, for me going there, um, it was one of the schools that a lot of people from my primary school went to. Um, so, and I knew a few people there because of my friend's older brothers and sisters and stuff. And um, there was a, people knew that I was coming. Uh, people knew that the kid from Outnumbered whose parents are porn stars, is joining the school next year, and his name's Tiger. Um, And I dare say there was sort of a plan to pick on me, but I think there was sort of a plan to pick on me. Not really pick on me, and I still say I I thoroughly enjoyed my time at the school, but um, I remember when I went into my second year at Epsom, there's always this mentality that the youngest kids coming in, the new year starting, just give them a bit of a hard time, because that's what you do at school at like a boarding school. And so they like to call it character building, don't character they? Character building. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So when I was going there in my first year, you know, I, I saw a lot of that. There was a lot of um, you know, a lot of the sixth forms would, would say things about my parents, which, which never really got to me in the sense of the fact what they were saying about my parents, but I always was upset at why they would want to upset me. I was like, they're obviously saying that because they want to upset me. And that was what upset me rather than what they're actually saying. What age was this at? So I would have been 13 <clears throat> at this age. Um, and um and the extent of it, you know, it didn't really go too far. But there were there are a few incidents that I would have preferred not to happen, which were um, aimed at the profession of my parents. You know, there would be things like someone would do something to me which could possibly be considered uh, assault. any
2: specific examples or.
0: Um, yeah, was, I mean, there was one time where I sort of I had, a, I had a pool cue shoved up my arse, like quite forcefully, and, and these six formers were saying, "You know, this is how your mum loves it. This is how your mum loves it." And yeah. you know, a lot of my trousers got ripped and stuff. So that was like pretty malicious and pretty vicious. not nice stuff, you know. Um, and um, and yeah, and you know, a couple and some I had to say something at some point, and some people got in some trouble. Um, I don't really hold anything against them. Um, I'm in a strange way. I'm actually quite fond of, of some of them because they are nice guys. It was just that, you know, we're in a in a boys' house at a school like that. It's I don't know. It's that kind of male bravado thing coming to the surface. A lot surface. of testosterone going around. Yeah, and I don't. You know, if I saw these guys in the street, I'd be going up to say hello to them. I wouldn't be avoiding them all going up and saying you're a dick. Do you know what I mean? But there comes
2: a point where you did have to say something because it was getting out of hand to a point that it wasn't comfortable for you as a 13-year-old
0: kid. Yeah, precisely. At the end of the day. I precisely. mean, you are a
2: kid and you've got emotions and actually you had a very mature thought process, clearly, because you were saying they're actually doing this to a point to upset me. So what? why Why are they doing that? Surely their mentality has so- at some point gone wrong to have that thought process as well
0: yeah yeah yeah. I mean I mean yeah
2: no question um so I suppose so you said you you, you told on that kind of thing but when you were at school what, what kind of helped you get through some of those more difficult things we you, obviously you're surrounded by your friends uh, you've already said that you're really close with your family and stuff um was there anything that springs to mind that really kind of got you through that those years at school um, Not that I want to paint your school, you know, your
0: school no, career. No, I mean poorly. it wasn't really that hard to sort of get through. You know, I I had, I had some friends there and I had a loving family and I had, you know, at the time I had a booming acting career and 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 it wasn't too hard for me to rise above. Um, no, I wouldn't say there was anything I really, you know, I didn't never had any therapy for it or I, I never, sure. I, I I mentioned it to a teacher. It stopped and. And sort of life kind of went on. You just on. took the right right process, to yeah, be honest, I guess, with the whole yeah, situation. Yeah. Fair enough. So you just mentioned it there. Obviously, for those
2: who don't know, again, Tiger is an actor. Um, and you're 23 now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, what that puts you in the industry for 12
0: years, 13 years? Um, I mean,
2: 13 years. Well, I suppose yeah. 23 years, if you really want to look at it. Because <laughs> <Well, laughs> you're, you mean... you're born into a family who are in the creative industries, I suppose.
0: Yeah, it's slightly different, slightly different of concept. Um, no, I know. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I did a school play when I was 10. Um, I got scouted from that. And by, before I was 11, I was filming the pilot of Outnumbered, on my 11th birthday I was filming a an and Miller show. So yeah, I started at this when I was 10.
2: So let's talk about that audition process for Outnumbered. Um, so you were
0: picked up from a show at school. Uh, yeah, just did a school play and basically the, the headmaster of our school, um, the headmaster of our school that we used to live next door to actually, not the school, we used to live next door to a headmaster, so he was family friends with us. Um, his kids had like this really nice sort of semi-English, semi-Irish accent and so they did voiceover um, and so our headmaster took the voiceover agent and said, come on, watch our school play. And then basically I did a really good job as Squire Trelawney in Treasure Island. And she sort of big up, spoke to me afterwards and was like, do you want to do some professional work? I sort of looked at my mum and was like, do I, can I? And my mum was like, yeah, yeah. So I was like, yeah, did a voice reel, did a couple of bits and bobs, few voiceovers. And then, um, soon enough, every now and then she had a screen audition come in and she got one for Outnumbered. Um, and uh, we, um, uh, actually, I, 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 this is something I, I would like to say, and I've never said this before, actually. The, the audition for Outnumbered, um, my family was actually under, going through a, a really tough time at that time. And um, <clears throat> my dad had done some sort of bad deal in the porn industry. And basically, we had gangsters coming around our house um, in blacked out Range Rovers in the middle of the night, every night. Um, and so we ended up moving into a, into a hotel for about a month and a half um, while we sorted out this pretty scary situation um where we were being blackmailed and threatened and stuff and um and i had this audition come through for this this show um and it was a really tough time and and it was the only time i ever got an audition and thought about saying you know i'm really not i don't really want to go to this one uh it's the only time i ever thought about saying that and i didn't i actually went for it in the end and that was the audition for outnumbered um and i could have so easily not gone for that audition because of the the, the stress we were under as a family um and it just, I'm just so grateful that for, so, for some reason in that moment as a little 10-year-old boy, I summoned the strength to do it. Because if I hadn't summoned that strength, um, you know, I'm sure you wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be here now in this situation. Uh, but anyway, so I went for that first audition and it was um, there was no script or anything. They basically just said, you sit there and I'll pretend to be your dad and I'm trying to get you to do your homework and you don't want to do it. Um, and they just played a few scenes out like that uh you know slightly different context but then when I came back for the second audition rather than someone reading in with me it was actually Hugh Dennis and we did something like that it was like you want to play football in the garden and you're trying to get your dad to but he doesn't want to and they kind of just got you to improvise scenarios like that and I did that went back three times did that and um then just one day got a call and I got the part and at the time we had no idea really what it was going to be. You know, for me, it was just, oh, my God, I'm going to be on TV. This is so exciting. Um, but I don't think any, any of us realised that it would become outnumbered um, and do, you know, so well.
2: Well, I, yeah, like you say, the success of the show, you didn't quite know what it was going to be. And look how it's <laughs> escalated from there. Yeah. Awesome for you. And also you're having an improv audition with the master of improv himself Hugh dennis that must have been pretty awesome
0: (laughs) yeah and again it's one of those things at the time you know don't really appreciate yeah exactly um yeah it's only really in the last year or so of my life i've actually sort of got to a point of maturity when i've really been able to kind of put things in more perspective and, and realize a lot of the amazing things i've done and how lucky i've been and everything that I've taken for granted and stuff. You, yeah, know you mean? seem
2: in a really reflective uh, place in your life at the moment, which is great, but we'll come back to that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so just without numbered,
2: so you are an only child, um, but on the show you had a brother and sister. What was it actually like having to, you know, act and pretend to have that? Was it? Did it feel abnormal? I know it's obviously a show, a TV show, but did it feel a bit awkward
0: or weird to pretend to have a brother and sister when you'd never had one? Um. I guess in a sense, yeah, there is that element of me being an only child and so never having to to communicate with someone in a brotherly or sisterly way. But when we were doing when we first started outnumbered, I was sort of um I was ten, eleven, and so I'd kind of reached not a level of maturity, but I wasn't like a very small child anymore. I was near you know, near enough hitting puberty in the next couple of years. And whereas Dan and Ramona were sort of five or six. So they were on the same wavelength and I was on a slightly different wavelength. So it was really easy for me to, when Ramona would show me drawings, it's like, oh my God, wow, that's really, really amazing. And I just really loved their cuteness. And, and it was so easy for me to see them like little brothers and sisters in the positive way, in all the positive senses of being a brother and a sister. The thing that was hard at the start more so was when we would have to sort of argue and stuff because... That was less natural for me because I wasn't naturally the kind of person who just went up to toddlers in the street and started arguing with them. And that's obviously what brothers and sisters do. So at the very start, our relationship was kind of all the positives of um, siblingship and none of the negatives. But then as we got to know each other better and we'd worked together for a couple of years... Like me and Dan would have some of the most brotherly arguments ever. And we honestly, over a couple of years, we became like proper brothers and sisters because we'd spent day in, day out in the same rooms as each other, doing schoolwork together, acting together. You know, we developed those relationships. And so by the end, it was almost as if we were brother and sister. Are you guys really close now? Yeah, yeah, we're very close. I mean, we don't see each other especially often. Um, I saw th- I saw them at Christmas. Um, I'll be seeing them in a few weeks' time for a barbecue. We generally see each other maybe once or twice a year, but every single time we see each other, it's... You know, I could not see them for 20 years and then go and see them, and it would kind of be as if we'd never left each other. It's one of those kind of relationships, That's you know great. what I mean? We'd have a lot to talk about after 20 years, but there would be no awkwardness because, yeah, we... The, the, those relationships every relationship i made from that show honestly every single one is a blessing so you talked about um obviously you were at a
2: young age and you had to have some sort of tutoring or homework whilst you were on the job did that how did that affect your school life and stuff like that because obviously you obviously had to have a tutor on set sometimes i suppose yeah
0: so we do about three hours of uh you had to do three hours of tutoring a day this is until you've done your gccs uh, and you need a chaperone and you need to do three hours of tutoring a day um and that's fitted around your filming schedule. Um, and so, yeah, we it was one shooter for the three of us. So, I guess you could say we had a bit more sort of one on one treatment kind of thing. Um, but the shooter they had couldn't possibly be a specialist in every single subject. So, when I started to get towards my GCSE level sort of stuff, uh, and I was trying to do that on set, um, yeah, often that was a bit difficult because. You know, it's difficult to find someone who can do GCC French, GCC Spanish, GCC physics, GCC, you know. And so there was a point when the work got a bit harder that I did struggle a bit. And that's when I really had to, you know, try and um, balance getting in touch with my teachers at school and stuff. But um, overall, you know, it didn't affect my schoolwork at all. I I did really well in all my exams. Every exam I ever took, I did really well in. Um, And, you know, therefore I can't have missed out on anything along the way because... I knew everything I was supposed to know, pretty much, and so. Although what I will say it was, it was tougher to bring. It was the to find, to find motivation. It was tougher because you still had this whole concept that it was kind of a day off and that you didn't have to go to school, and so that when you're like, it's quite exciting for a you know young adult at that point, just yeah. be like, no, I'm not going to school. I'm on a TV set, but the th- also the thing is if. If you've only done two hours and 15 minutes work school work that day and you wrap at 6:15 you can't go home you have to f- go upstairs to the tutor room and sit there on your own with the tutor once the other kids have gone home and finish your 45 minutes off I and mean, when it's dark outside you know maybe you're used to working when it's dark outside when you get to university or something but when you're you know a 12 year old you're not really used to sitting in class doing sums when it's completely pitched back outside and and everyone's gone home. Um, But you really had to keep, you had to get your 15 hours a week done. Um, And that was sometimes a bit of a massive chore, even though it was exactly what you've been doing at school. When you're at school, it's kind of like expected, if you know what I mean.
2: So you've, like we said just earlier, it's kind of been quite a long time since you've been in the industry. I'm quite intrigued to hear from you, how you feel like it's changed from when you got into it, when you started, obviously you're a bit younger, but now up to now as well, like how, how have you seen any changes or transitions in the industry and obviously it's just it is a grueling industry for anyone that doesn't really know anything about it i mean it's it's
0: it's cutthroat and you know you know straight to the point really isn't it i think um i think the industry is rightfully so becoming more diverse you know we're seeing more more um, more people of color coming through and and doing well in the industry which you know, if you go back as far as, say, 50 years ago, you know, you'd see, you saw mainly white people on TV, so and and mainly men. And I think as we move in this direction and and the industry becomes a lot more diverse, I think the opportunities for it to move in so many different directions and be so much more exciting present themselves. I also think social media has played a a massive part in the development of so many aspects of our world. And for me, I actually, um, I think most of those... Things that social media has presented us have been negative. Well, you um, had an experience of it, didn't you? Yeah, and I mean, even bef- before my Instagram got hacked, I, it's not. You know, I, I personally am not a massive fan of social media. I've been trying to do my Instagram a bit recently, but I, um, I, I, I feel like I have to kind of force myself. I was to... I to say it is
2: a forced kind of platform,
0: pla- and 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 I, I, I wish. People just did stuff nowadays because they wanted to do it and they enjoyed doing it. I wish people just didn't do stuff nowadays so that they could tell everyone else about it. Um, And that's what I feel like the world is becoming. I I think social media has made everything, you know, my industry included, a lot more kind of shallow um, and a lot more sort of image-based and and it, it, it makes a lot of people compare their realities to other people's highlights and it inspires a lot of... Uh, mental illness in young people and anxiety and depression um you know it, it, it brings us so much closer together in many ways but i do also think it isolates and it, it it alienates and ultimately i wish the world had developed in a slightly different way where we could communicate with the same effectiveness and the same ease and the same rapidity but without looking at a screen without looking at a screen or without some of the connotations that come along with social media Uh, that's that's a great
2: point so being an actor and stuff you have obviously had to go up for these auditions you got the outnumbered one awesome and you've you've had some great consistent work you had your the documentary stuff which was very entertaining um but you've obviously gone through this career so far and had to deal with some sort of rejection because that's what this industry is right so where even though you had the, these great roles in Outnumbered and stuff, where did that put you when you, when you first got that, those rejections in and how did that make you feel, you know, mentally as well?
0: I think as a sort of predominantly child actor, I never I never really thought in terms of my whole life and career and everything. I just was doing what I was doing and getting jobs and, and I was getting a lot of work. And then, um, you know, there came a point when... When I wasn't getting as much work, and, and for some reason now, I was only getting repeat work. So I was getting I was getting jobs coming, which were a series of shows that I'd been casting a while ago, and they were doing a new series of it. So I'd get that job, but there it was. There was a while when I didn't actually, you know, land an audition for a long time. Um, a lot of that is my fault. Uh, a lot of that is my fault. My head wasn't in the game for a long time, and there was there was an arrogance about me where I thought I didn't really have to. <laughs> put that much work in and I would get stuff. You know, um, you know, there w- there was a there was a a profound sense of entitlement and, and arrogance and and um yeah and and something I, I do want to talk about in the future, it, it it made me not really be in a position to be able to um for for a few years I wasn't in a position to perform properly. I wasn't I wasn't in the right headspace to really go about being an actor in the right way. Um what kind, of, what kind of thoughts were you having like at the at the at this time when you were struggling um do I want to carry on acting um do I just want to you know kind of get a normal job and not have to worry about any of this kind of stress and and people writing stuff about me and and <clears throat> and people finding out secrets about me and you know for a while i i lived in in i really lived in a kind of I I just lived in fear about so many things from about the age of seventeen to twenty one. I I just kind of I just really had a sort of irrational fear of of life, and I had this massive sense of impending doom um, surrounding everything, and it made me kind of I don't know I was I was stuck really I I I I, I didn't have any kind of plans. I was just getting on with everything, just hoping, you know, in denial, expecting everything to suddenly get better. Um, and, yeah, that was it was a really tough time for me because I, I a lot of people always think that you're an actor, you should have loads of money. And I've had a lot of time, you know, I have earned a lot of money in my life, but I've also got a massive spending issue. Um, and so there's been a lot of times in the last few years when I haven't had a great deal of money. And there's this whole image that you that I'm Tiger Drew Honey and and I've, I've felt this pressure to sort of uphold this image in front of everyone. And, and, um, yeah, over time it just, it just really, really got to me. And, um, eventually I just kind of got to a point where any way I can really put it is I had a sort of spiritual experience. That's the only way I can really put it. I had a spiritual experience that kind of, um, I woke up one day and, and I just had a new set of eyes. I, I hadn't asked for them, but I had a new set of eyes and suddenly I saw the world differently. Um, and, you know, since then, my my career has actually gone from strength to strength in a, in a relatively short space of time. You know, I used to go for auditions and I'd go for 15 auditions and not get one callback. Um, you know, this year I might have been for what, I don't know, let's say 12 auditions. And I've had like eight callbacks or something and I've got two of the roles. Do you know what And these are just... I don't know. I, I don't really know why this sort of stuff happens when it happens, but I think everyone is really on a journey, and sometimes you just get a day which comes along that you're not expecting and totally changes everything for you. Um, and yeah, I, I think the, the the one thing that I would say I'm proud of myself for is kind of not giving up on this industry and this career because and yourself and myself. Yeah, you're right. And myself. Thank you. Thank you for putting that in, Lou. But um, yeah, it was. I'm 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 glad that I stuck with it because I could have thrown in the towel and, and, and done something different. Um, and I'd have probably regretted it because, the, the, you know, I I don't want to say I've had like an amazingly tough time because I know everyone has tough times and I've actually been very, very privileged in my life. Um, it was just the mental state I was in for a while that I really struggled with and, and I'm so grateful that I kind of had this moment where the fog just sort of cleared. I don't know. I think between the ages of 17 and
2: 21 you and actually most young adults are at that stage where they don't know what they're going to do in their life their career do i go to university obviously you're at a stage where you probably weren't even considering that you wanted to just carry on with your acting and i just think young adults are now there's so much pressure to take a the right path but there is no right path each path is
0: unique and different and everyone should be able to explore their avenues in their own way yeah and like like you say everyone's everyone's has their own path that's that's you know That's been a big um, a big realization for me as well because I, you know, as I was just talking about, it's the same kind of thing. My my ego was massive, and and my ego would look at people like um, I don't know, look at people who were similar in sort of age and look to me doing really really well, and I would feel such envy. I would feel such like how unfair is it that they can get that role? What, you know, why doesn't, why is this not happening? You know, a real despair, real anger, bewilderment. And, and that, you know, just realizing that that's not, if that's not my journey, that's not my journey. You know, that is something that's been big for me as well, because I, I used to think there was only a certain amount of success, happiness, money, and love in the world. And that most of it should come to me. Sure. That that is the way it should be. Um, and and like you just said, realizing that everyone's path is different, and trying to remember on a daily basis that this is my path, and yours is yours, and everyone's is everyone's, and you know all these things that I once thought were so important really aren't. That's been big for me as well. That's great.
2: So you said you had this moment where the kind of fog cleared, or or, or what that spiritual moment. But were there, was there anything in particular that helped you get through that mentally as well? Did you be seeing anybody? Um, were there any particular mental exercises or anything that kind of helped you get through that? Or was it just um, a moment where you were like, right, I need to flick the switch and put my life on the right track now? I knew what I had to
0: do to get my life back on track, and I just, and I just, I just, I couldn't really. I kind of knew what I needed to do, but I just every single day I tried to get into that right headspace and make that change. I was just incapable of doing it. I just couldn't do it. And it was like I woke up one morning and all of a sudden I just kind of knew as soon as I opened my eyes that morning, I was like, I'm going to be able to do it. I'd, it was more a, a realisation that I'd sort of been given the ability to... I don't, I don't know how to put it. I'd been trying to get my life on track for so long with no results. And then just suddenly I didn't try, but I just had the knowledge. I just knew that when I tried this time... It was like the. Uh, it was like a strength had been given to me. It was. That's why I call it a spiritual experience because I felt like I was given strength from somewhere that wasn't from me. And I'm not religious, but that it was. It was odd like that. Well, you clearly have like a tremendous amount of self-will and determination. So that something must have
2: gone superbly right for you. So, what is next for Tiger Drew Honey? Like, what can we see expect to see you in something? You said you got two roles. Anything you can share?
0: Um. So. Um. Yeah, you know, I got some things in the pipeline. I've got some some interesting uh, some interesting voice work for a cartoon coming up soon. Um, I'm today. I'm, I'm, I'm after I've uh, finished this lovely chat with you. I'll be um, going off to, to start shooting a film um, tomorrow. Um, and uh, uh, you know, I I've got some stuff in in the diary at the end of the year, which, which hopefully be in the theatre and, and and stuff. Um, so yeah, this year this year's going well. I've got I've got work this year for like the whole year pretty much. Um, But the plan is to try and always make the best decision about things, try and make good decisions, try and um, be a good person, try to always remember what to be grateful for and to to appreciate the things that I have that I've taken for granted, Um, to keep working hard, to really put as much effort into every opportunity that comes my way um but also have the kind of graciousness and serenity to know that if it doesn't go my way that's not my fault because I did everything I could absolutely so what that's that's obviously very inspirational
2: advice I reckon as well but I'm going to ask the question anyway what piece of advice would you passed down to some young adults that you may have held on to in your life that has maybe got you through some of those tough moments? Is there something that you've held on to that you think, do you know what, actually, maybe somebody out there listening might take
0: inspiration from this? So anything that comes to mind? I think um, it's easy sometimes to um, to get so wound up in ourselves and, and, and in, in, you know, selfishness is a totally natural human thing. Um I think nowadays we can, we can really get so wound up in selfishness and be kind of so blinkered um, from, you know, other things going on in the world. I think, you know, some, uh, someone in the supermarket might be really, really quite moody to you. If you bump into them, they might be really, really moody to you. And that might really upset you. And you think, what the, what the, what the, that's totally, you dickhead. That's totally, totally out of order. But the way I try and think about things like that, which I didn't used to, I used to just snap at people. Um, I ask myself, do I know what that man's going through today? Do I know exactly what's happened to him today? Inevitably, the question is no. I've got no idea what he's going through today. And so I try and be more tolerant with things today. I try and complain less. I try and... I think it's... I think what it comes down to is gratitude. For me, it's gratitude. Every single day that I get to the end of the day and I haven't had a car crash, neither of my parents have been diagnosed with a fatal illness. My dogs are still here. My girlfriend is still here. And every single day that I have like that, because sometimes seem seems like such a boring day, but all those things that have happened, I'm so grateful for, you know? you know, And I, it's just important to stay grateful. Gratitude is something I didn't have in my life till recently, and um, and gratitude... Is just so underrated. I think we should all try and practice a bit more gratitude. And finally, what does the word headstrong mean to you? The word headstrong, uh, to me, it would mean balanced and robust and thoughtful. Great. Well,
2: thank you so much for giving up some time. Good luck with the rest of the year and all your endeavours, Tiger. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on to Headstrong. It means a lot. And I hope everyone listening will find some inspiration in
0: the pearls of wisdom that you've given me. (laughs) Thank you very much, man. I enjoyed myself and I hope everyone listening enjoyed it too. Cheers. So a huge,
2: huge thank you to Tiger for giving up such valuable time during shooting to have a chat with me on this podcast. I think we can all agree that Tigers lived a really, really interesting life and I hope you guys go check out his Instagram page and also his projects when they come out later in the year. A huge thank you to Harry Neal, Jack Graham Thomas as always, to Ed Hopkins, Lucy Jones and to you guys who keep coming back to listen to this podcast. It means a great deal to me that you are willing to give up some time and come and listen to these people opening up. But most importantly, thank you to those who have left a review or subscribed. Keep passing it on as well to anybody who you might think might benefit from this or just enjoy listening to it. I hope that we can get as many people on a path to becoming headstrong. Thank you.